0: Hey, Paul. Is it
1: John or Jonathan? It's both. It's either. What do you prefer?
0: <laughs> I'd rather be John. Jonathan John. is uh, for largely my Aunt Bertha, who's been dead for about 40 years. Okay. And I knew whenever <laughs> I was in trouble, I would hear, Jonathan. That It's a terrifying sound.
1: Yes. Well, <laughs> thank you for making the time. Um, sure. And I want to, just in case somebody doesn't know you who will be listening to this, um, instead of me butchering an introduction, could you introduce yourself sure, in a few sentences?
0: Absolutely. Uh, I'm John Younger, and uh, I'm going to be looking into the camera rather than looking into the microphone, which is probably <laughs> a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I'm, for about the last uh, 10 years, I have been the ethnographer for the freelance revolution. I say ethnographer <laughs> even though I've been publishing my articles and, the Harvard Business Review and in Forbes and in uh, all kinds of other organizations and in a book called Agile Talent. But but Paul, at the end of the day, what's been important to me about the freelance economy, the freelance movement, et cetera, is that it's as much a, 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 a shift in culture as it is a shift in work Method and work style. Mm -hmm. And that's important. And nobody was writing about it. People were writing about silly stuff like you can make a million dollars tomorrow or start this and you'll be rich. But there was no soul, there was no content in it. Mm -hmm. It was just clickbait, if Mm -hmm. I may put it that way. Mm -hmm. And, And it seemed to me that somebody needs to tell these stories. Some of the stories are strategic, some of the stories are individual, some of the stories are national, as in what's happening in Germany or Latam or in Japan or in Taiwan, but mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, all of it is about a shift in the way people work.
1: And that's very important. Yes, sir. And that's very important. And so, well, thank you for writing. Pleasure. I think That's very important. And I've read many of your articles. I'm sorry about that. But <laughs> thanks very much for doing it's it. It's impressive how many you have written already. <laughs> I, am,
0: I, I am prolific. <laughs>
1: yes, you are uh, really documenting all the all the angles, all the you know, nuances of how this shift is happening. And from what I understand, you're championing the shift. You're I a am. proponent of it.
0: I am. I Why? am. You know, there there are several levels of the answer, but let me start mm. with, a, with a, one that sort of hits me in between the eyes. And it comes from Tim Sanders. Tim Sanders is the customer advocate, I guess you'd call it, for Upwork. And... uh And he he simply says, why would you want to work for one company when you could work for three? It is a very simple Mm
1: -hmm. message,
0: and it's a message with all sorts of resonance. So first is you're you're probably doing better if you're building your business, building your reputation. Second is you're probably safer financially if you're spreading it, more diversifying your income. Mm -hmm. You're probably having more impact if you're able to do this stuff over three organizations. And the implication of it, the implicit implication of it, is that you have some flexibility and freedom around when you do those things because you can't work all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then there's one more implication, which I think is the best. And it's that it's about time, and forgive me for sounding um, Mm -hmm. a little stronger than I should possibly sound. I think it's time to give up the sort of the neocolonial concepts that have fueled um, the Industrial Revolution 3.0. And if you think about it, one of the most glaring examples of that is this nonsense called bossism. And we read about it a little while ago. And the argument was that since it seemed like employees had had the upper hand for the last couple of years, quote unquote, now it was time for the bosses to come back and hit the, hit the door or hit the table and mm-hmm. show who was in charge. Mm-hmm. What a juvenile point of view. What a ridiculous assertion. Mm-hmm. Hey, why why mm. would you want to create that sort of a ridiculous dichotomy I, instead of saying we're going through a tough time and in this tough time that we're going through, we've got to be extra kind to individuals, mm-hmm. extra thoughtful about the impacts of our decisions on as as business owners or managers on what it means for the people that work for us
1: so what if we go back to pre-industrial revolutions sure um what was the workforce like could we even did the category of freelancing exist sure it did of course it did right so
0: i mean freelancers right that's that's where it comes from right so these were individuals who were uh, soldiers for hire, many years ago, and that's where that came from. Right. The, the immediate reference is Ivanhoe. But there's an older story than that. The guys that built the pyramids,
1: <laughs>
0: the guys that built uh, the Acropolis, that built the part of the Pantheon in Rome, they were independent engineers.
1: Mm.
0: Architects and engineers were sort of merged there, mm-hmm. and independent workmen. So, yeah, we have a long, long, long tradition. The, the world mm. before Industrial Revolution 3.0, and I, I want to speak to that, I'll explain a little bit, uh, was the crafts era, right? It was when a, a, a person could create an atelier if you were an artist or, mm-hmm. or a workshop, if you were a goldsmith or if you were... a a, a leather worker, Mm -hmm. or or you were a scrivener, right? You knew how to write and read, which is Mm -hmm. a big deal, and you could make money just doing that. Mm -hmm. And that led to law, and that led to finance, and that led to banking and a whole bunch of other things. So yeah, I mean, the the period before was the period of the craftsman, and the period Mm -hmm. of the crafts workshop. And, And what I like about that notion, and it's the difference between that and Industrial Revolution, is in the crafts notion, The customer and the craftsperson were peers. It was an exchange, money for goods. Mm -hmm. The problem with the Industrial Revolution is that we started to believe that we owned these people, that managers actually had complete ownership of these people. Think about the way in which we've most recently defined a concept like engagement. We've defined it as the willingness of an employee to provide discretionary labor above and beyond what they're paid on behalf of the organization. That's a positive. That's a ripoff. <laughs> Think about mm-hmm. that for a second. Mm-hmm. You're actually being rewarded for the organization for giving away your free labor. That is, that is not a good way to be thinking about engagement. Mm-hmm. Engagement mm-hmm. is about heart. It's not mm-hmm. about a, a, a problematic mm-hmm. exchange. That shouldn't be the case. Mm. I think an awful lot of people in the last 20 years started to see that more and more and started to see the potential for mm-hmm. a third way. What I mean by a third way is, is, not, is not necessarily being completely independent as a freelancer and certainly not being completely employed, only employed. The third way started to be what we called moonlighting or side gigs. of the American people in the US have a Moonlight or a side gig now. Some of them do it because they're Mm. in love with the work. Mm. Some of them do it because they're passionate about a craft which is different than the work. Mm -hmm. Some of them do it because they need the money and some Mm -hmm. of them do it because they'd like to save for something else, whatever those reasons. Mm. That's in turn over the last 20 years, given more and more people the confidence because Mm -hmm. they had the experience to go full-time as a freelancer.
1: They would start with a side gig. Exactly,
0: exactly. And the consequence Mm -hmm. of that now is that almost 70 million people in the United States are not only workers or craftspeople or employees, Mm -hmm. they're also employers or solopreneurs. Mm -hmm. 70 million people in the US out of a workforce of 110 million more or less have a job, or a freelance, or a, a job and a side gig. And, and what that means, practically mm-hmm. speaking, is that this is a whole new generation of employee.
1: Mm-hmm. This is an employee mm-hmm. that
0: has the, the confidence mm-hmm. and some of the competence mm-hmm. to start their own business.
1: Mm-hmm. And see where it goes and be their own boss and and that's really the allure of it isn't it it's the freedom of freelancing
0: and what i love about what you just said is let me flip to the other side and that is if you think about these folks 45 million of these 65 70 million are in fact full-time employees that are doing a side gig or doing moonlighting of some kind Mm -hmm. or another think about what they're learning off the job Mm -hmm. they're learning how to budget they're learning Mm -hmm. how to deal with vendors they're learning Mm -hmm. how to deal with customers they're learning how to deal with finances they're Mm -hmm. they're starting Mm -hmm. to build their own business and developing a consciousness around leadership why are we not making the best use of these guys on the job yeah when they are full-time employees
1: it's so interesting so okay i mean i've been in the freelancing world Mm -hmm. as well for many years i was a freelancer. From the tech side, we're trying to build tools, obviously, to sustain it. The infrastructure is not quite there at mm-hmm. all to sustain this, but it's very interesting to think about it. So if I can go to terminology a little sure. bit, because there's a lot of words um, that I struggle to like understand where they start and end. So if we try to define a freelancer... Um, like okay, for example, somebody who who is um, an independent plumber or does HVAC installations, we don't typically think of them as a freelancer, right?
0: And and one of the big differences we tend not to think of freelancers as B two C people. Let me ex- let me explain to to your listeners. B two C is a business person that's primarily serving direct to the consumer, mm-hmm. right? So their 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 interest is retail. So if you sort of think in those terms,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right. Who would be in that category? Well, plumbers, electricians, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You'd also see physical trainers, fitness Mm -hmm. trainers. You'd see therapists Mm -hmm. of different kinds. Mm -hmm. You might might see uh, vets. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might see independent doctors, et cetera, et cetera. What, What identifies all of those folks is that they're working direct to consumer. And we typically think of freelancers as a B2B or business to business. Mm. Kind of relationship where you're working for a business, not working for an end consumer in that way. There's another dimension.
1: But like a photographer who's doing newborn photography and it is a consumer. It's a wonderful
0: point. It's an absolutely wonderful point. And and the reality is that there are now three or four categories that I'd like to give you. Mm -hmm. Category one is freelancer in the B2B sense, right? Mm -hmm. Business working for a business. Mm -hmm. Typically a corporation, typically an agency, typically mm-hmm. government, something like that. Second person is, a, and this is a, this is not a very good term, but it's the best we've got, and that is a gigster. So persons, people who do gigs, very often are seen as unprofessional. They're seen as non-certified. They're seen mm-hmm. as people that don't have a unique expertise. a unique commercial mm-hmm. expertise of any kind.
1: And, and they probably and, don't make much money. And they their... probably
0: get ripped off like yeah. crazy. And these are people that are that may be uh, TaskRabbit people. Mm-hmm. These are mm-hmm. people that may be delivery people. These may be people who are, who are driving Ubers or, or Lyfts. I, I, I want to make really clear about something. They may be a hell of a lot smarter than me, but they've made a decision that they're going to work in a non-professional climate to to earn their money by aggregating a number of activities. So typically when you talk to the person from Lyft, they're also working mm-hmm. for a, a Juno. They're also working for Uber. They may also be doing TaskRabbit on the side. They may also be delivering. They may mm-hmm. also be part of Amazon's mm-hmm. extended network. Mm-hmm. So these are guys that are sort of knitting together in income, mm-hmm. guys and ladies that are no. that are knitting together in income. So three bad categorical terms. Freelancer, B2B, independent business owner, think fitness instructor, think
1: mm-hmm.
0: plumber, think electrician, B2C, independent business owner, mm-hmm. and, and then the third is gigster. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. They all suck. <laughs> they absolutely all suck. And and, and it, the problem is that the categories are, are bad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I... When, when we talk about an independent professional, how dare I suggest that an electrician might not be? Mm-hmm. How dare I suggest that? But yet, within the lexicon of these times, within the language and, and categories of these times, it's, it's, it's the easiest. Mm-hmm. We talk more and more about independent talent. That just becomes a big tent that brings everybody together and doesn't yeah. help any more than the other excessive categorization.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So we suck. <laughs> we need to get better. Mm-hmm it's probably not going to be in my lifetime i'm 71 <laughs> but i'm but i'm hoping that somebody comes to it soon
1: yeah well so the other thing that uh is associated with freelancing i think oftentimes is a certain i don't know poverty if you will where <laughs> you know you don't come to your thanksgiving dinner and, and you know aunt mary's asking so what do you do and you say well i freelance and mm. and they're so proud of you you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, I'm I'm a doctor kind of a response. And there's maybe not the same kind of dignity, because maybe historically, there hasn't been the same kind of income. And I think especially in the more creative fields, because constantly finding new clients becomes yep. such a taxing and exhausting activity. Yes. And I read a study recently, uh, where I think they identified that as the number one challenge.
0: There are three issues. I'll, I'll give you a Three, but I think you've raised a, a wonderful one. Um, and then I'd love to talk a little bit about it, because you're raising some very important points about creatives that really needs to be said. I, there, the, the, the data from a recent study said there are three reasons why people w- would ordinarily, would, would like to move to freelancing, whatever that category mm-hmm. is right now, mm-hmm. um, but for three issues. First issue was uh, fear of income volatility. Mm-hmm. You know, one day I'm I'm, I'm flushed, another day I'm mm-hmm. without. Uh, second is it, versus employment, the loss of attractive benefits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nobody pays for my training when I'm a freelancer or a creative. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody pays for, excuse me, uh, my vacation time. Mm-hmm. And the third, which may which may have the stress component, the exhaustion component built in, but they defined it as loneliness, mm-hmm. the the fear that. You're just cut off from mm-hmm. the social world that you enjoyed, whether enjoyed it, you enjoyed it or not, mm-hmm. the social the world that you enjoyed as, as an employee. Those are real things. Biggest problem right now with creatives, if I may say it, in my opinion, you know more about this than I do. I mean, you have a huge insight into that world. I, I think the problem is we, we don't really know how to monetize so much of that stuff that what happens is fame is a proxy for mm. value. And that's nuts. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a very tough time for people that are doing some really, really wonderful things mm-hmm. to, to know how to charge, to know how much to charge, yeah. to know who to charge, yeah, and to get it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all of those are yeah. problematic.
1: Yeah, well, in the skill set required to operate a sustainable business mm-hmm is so different than the skill set of creativity. Absolutely. And I think those who are more inclined in the creative kind of capabilities, it just so happens that they're less inclined with the business sensibilities.
0: No, no, no. What's funny about that is there's actually data that supports that. So let me give you the, I I think I remember some of this. We did a global study, and again, this is freelancers Mm -hmm. writ large, Mm -hmm. but there were 2,000 freelancers from 30 countries. And, and we gave them a list of, I don't know, 20 or 30 attributes and said, please rank these according to how, uh, how you see yourself in relation to others. Do you see Mm -hmm. yourself as better than others or more of this or less Mm -hmm. well or less of this? Mm -hmm. Here are the things that they rated uh, least well. Networking, (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) asking for the business, (laughs) uh, being persuasive, uh, reading the, the 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 body language, excuse mm-hmm. me, reading the body language of their mm-hmm. clients to know whether mm-hmm. they were on the right track or needed a shift, all of the things, all the social and in the personal skills that they need to to have a good business head, mm-hmm. a good relationship head, are things that they choose not to be good at. What were the things that they were good at? They love their work. Mm -hmm. They are passionistas about it. Mm -hmm. They, they are studying it. They are living it. They are working Mm -hmm. their their fingers to -hmm. make sure that it's real. They're spending much more time in training and continuous improvement than other folks Mm -hmm. by the data, but, but they don't like asking for the business. They don't like hanging with the suits.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that creates a real challenge. So maybe maybe we need another kind of organization where it's, you know, maybe there is an employer, but it's not functioning like a boss.
0: Well, let me ask the question. So I, I'm i I'm on the advisory board, for example, of Contra. Mm-hmm. So Contra.com contra. Mm-hmm. works really hard. Ben Huffman is an individual. It cares very, very deeply about the creative community. It's all mm-hmm. kinds of things to mm-hmm. sort of build the skills of the of the community. I mean, he's he's got a they they built a, a JV for example. They built a joint venture with is it Canva, mm-hmm. so that these mm-hmm. folks have access to wonderful visuals around mm-hmm. a website that they can put together in just a few mm-hmm. minutes, mm-hmm. and then from there they can they can go after clients. Is it, it, can the website serve? Can the marketplace for creatives is, does that work?
1: I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Because um, there's there's many job markets, right? Um, uh, but they don't really solve the issues. the The way I think that it, that freelancers can overcome their greatest challenges are. Is actually moving towards more of a retainer model. Mm. Um, And I've seen that done successfully. And those who are able to transition their total, like, complete mode of operation, they kind of productize themselves into, you know, they go to a business and and at any point try to position away from one job to Mm. here's a package of services that I will give you on a monthly basis. And what that does for the employer that's really nice is now... You know, they can let this freelancer go. They don't have to sign long sure. contracts. They don't have to pay their medical, you know, bills or anything. It's it's such a uh, lightweight obligation. Um, and they're able to get access to pretty unique talent that mm-hmm. they normally wouldn't have. So what I'm actually really interested in is a marketplace for retainer model, mm. uh, packaged, productized freelancers. Um, And then and then as a freelancer, then you only need, you know, three, four, maybe five companies that you're working for Mm -hmm. that are committed to you on a retainer model. And then you're no longer you have predictable income. You don't have to hunt for new clients every month. Uh, It solves so many issues. And for the employer, they you know, they're not coughing up too much money mm-hmm. and they get, maybe they're not utilizing them every month. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's like, you know, for a freelancer that does photography, they're going to say, okay, we're going to create all your brand assets for your social media. I'm going to come into your office. I'm going to shoot, you know, pictures of culture, of products that you're creating. And may, maybe then there's another package where, you know, posting it on social media is included or something, you know, things like that. I like that. I, I've,
0: I've heard a number of people Tell me about a package of pr and and advertising services for young platforms so for mm. example, uh, Jess Morris uh, does a nice job of putting together a package of, of services for young platforms and uh, and some mm. other folks is, as well um, you know as you were talking i was I was thinking about the question why would I enter into a retainer agreement with somebody Mm -hmm. and tell me if I got this right. So I definitely want to, if I thought that they were hard to pin down and I wanted to know that I'd have a certain amount of time with them because I thought they were great. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I might go after it on a cost basis and say, gee, it's like buying a dozen bagels, right? Instead of 12 individual bagels, I can get a better price Mm -hmm. for it. there. Mm -hmm. Third is I, I, I could be placing a bet on somebody and thinking that pretty soon they're gonna you know blow the, the cover and be glorious and mm-hmm. I better get in there now. Mm-hmm. I guess two questions for you. One is do people know what they're selling when they're selling it? And second, if we were to train them to do a better job of selling what they're trying to sell them, in some cases, I'm a star, grab me now. In other cases, I'm going to be a star. You better grab me now. Mm -hmm. And in some cases you can get a cheaper deal overall on a unit Mm -hmm. basis. If you put me down for six months or whatever, Mm -hmm. do we need to train our creatives to know how to ask for that? Do we have to train them to feel comfortable asking that? Because what we know is that over half of these folks have felt ripped off in past. Yeah. Have not not been fully paid in past. Mm -hmm. Have been asked to do excessive additional work in past. Mm -hmm. Have been renegotiated after the Mm -hmm. job was done in past. Mm -hmm.
1: And taken advantage of quite a bit. Yeah.
0: How much of this is, is... is an educational issue because I, mm. I think guys like Contra trying to solve that what I would to mm-hmm. know, and you're in this world all the time. How how far along are we in solving the educational challenge and helping people?
1: Yes. And that that I think is so huge. There's not uh, obviously there's not a degree for freelancing and and thank,
0: thank God. Huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so they have to stitch education themselves. And there's a lot of charlatan educators. Yes, there are. Um and we've actually been very fortunate to partner what I think are some of the best educators out good. there in freelancing. Tell there. me. I want to hear. Yeah, like Chris Doe, um, Rich Webster. I now, mean, what these, makes them amazing? Um, they understand freelancing very, very well, and they're incredibly methodological uh, in, in how exactly to get somebody to sustainable, good income and there's no fluff it's not get rich quick it's Good. real education um, guys are incredible um, but but there's not there's not that many of them and and if, if you don't get educated you'll get burned out pretty fast I I met somebody
0: in the UK a couple three years ago I used to be a, a, an investor in a company called jolt jolt provided educational experiences for people of Uh, in a wide variety of sort of technical and new economy areas. And this woman's name was Frankie. Frankie was an independent. Frankie was paying a fair amount of money each month to get access to this stuff in order to stay up to date. You know, you need money to spend money. You need money to make money. And one of the questions is, have we figured out the financing of this in a way that helps people. So, for example, I, I, I'm a lucky guy. My marketing strategy has historically been: um, I write a lot, I talk a lot, and I and I hope somebody calls. Right. I mean, that's sort mm-hmm. of it. And, and 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 it's worked for about 50 years. So, you know, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. bet on another 50. <laughs> I I guess one of my questions is. For the gentlemen or the ladies that you mentioned a minute ago that really teach people in a very pure way, in a very disciplined way, in a very structured way, is is there a way to make that economically affordable
1: en masse? That's a great question. Because we're missing... We're missing that. Yeah, we're missing tens
0: of thousands of people who need it that will get burned down. And unfortunately, the people... That do have the dough to, to do it. Maybe the folks that have a pretty good sense of how to do it in the first place. So
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. and they were sensible to even understand that they needed that, which uh, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I believe
0: that that in the freelancing of the future, whatever the hell that is, there there are going to be some dimensions of professionalism mm-hmm. that need to be improved. I, I believe we need to do a better job, B2B and B2C, uh, of getting and giving feedback so that our our platforms, our communities, our marketplaces continue to increase in effectiveness and and, and in quality. I, I think we need much stronger customer feedback to help this, this this nascent industry. I mean, this is only 20 years old. imagine that. The first company that went public, and there have only been a few. It, it, first company that, did, that went public went public. In, I think it was 2012 or 2013. Only a decade ago. I mean, we we are we are an old profession.
1: Hmm. What do you mean, first company that went public? Uh, that?
0: When I when I think about Upwork, which was the first oh. of the three, and then and then the other two, Fiverr are
1: at Freelance. Oh, I see. Oh. I see. The, the, the big job markets kind of. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, thank you. That's right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. But if you think about sort of those as the the. The lead of the parade,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it's only been a decade. We have so much to learn.
1: Mm-hmm. One is
0: certainly... In, in feedback, in professionalizing, mm-hmm. a second is certifications. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not enough to just say I had this job, this job, this job, or I worked for Apple, or I worked for Microsoft, or I worked for Nvidia, or whomever. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we really do have to be better at identifying what excellence looks like, mm-hmm. and, and and I would argue that the the third thing that we need to do stop trying to invent the education on our own, you know. It's, it, think about. Think about what would happen if, if McKinsey and Boston Consulting Group and Bain and BC and and and, and the other consulting firms didn't have an MBA program to draw from when they hired folks. Mm. Uh-huh. we don't have that in, in the among creatives uh-huh. there's not a there 's not a program that that gets them ready for it. Uh-huh. Universities have to do a better job. Universities are doing a very good job of entrepreneurial programs. Uh-huh. How come because entrepreneurs are successful business owners and they can generate funds back to the university it 's no different than the football team at uh-huh. the University of Michigan where I sometimes teach.
1: Uh-huh.
0: We, we've got to understand that, that for many of these creatives, there isn't a sort of a pre-season educational experience that makes them ready. We've got to help them and we can't each have a different way of helping them. As you said, methodologically sound. Well, mm-hmm. let's spread that joy across all of the, the platforms instead of each platform going its own way, some well, some badly. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot to do in professionalizing the, this yeah. in, industry, without taking the soul out of
1: it. Yeah. And, and, and that's I don't I, want I, to take the soul out of it. I think you're you're totally nailing it cuz platforms always have to struggle with the question of centralization, how much do you bring in, right? And oftentimes the more you centralize, the more soul you take from the worker um, because now you're you're kind of scripting everything out. Um, I, I want freelancing to fly its freaky flag for
0: the next couple <laughs> of hundred years, man. I mean, I think that one of the things, if you think about the three things that, that define the creative movement, the freelance movement, whatever you call it, mm-hmm. there are three A's. You, it's easy to remember. It's easy for an old guy to remember. One is autonomy, mm. freedom to, to choice, the, 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 true, the, the, the choice, the flexibility, Second is agency. I want to have impact. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to work for 30 years and not feel I have anything to show for it. I was just putting in my time. I, I want to know that I have put my thumbprint on the world in some small way. Mm. And the third thing that most of the creators and freelancers I know that talk about is affiliation. I want to be part of a community of people that are feeling that way, that, that have the autonomy mm. and the agency in common. Mm-hmm. So if you think about those three, autonomy, agency, and, and affiliation, um, yeah, that's a that's a wonderfully freaky flag
1: to yeah, fly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, five years from now, ten years, twenty if you can prophesy I'll into be the future. I'll dead
0: 20, so we better go back to <laughs> hey, 10 you or never 15. Know. You never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're getting pretty good at this uh, <laughs> anti-aging technology. But um, can you make some predictions? Sure. Um, just so we have them on record.
0: Sure, sure. Um, I, I predict that more of our organizations will look like movie productions. Like movie about, productions. You think about a movie production. Okay. You think about, um, the last, uh, the, the, the last Thor movie. Mm-hmm. The last Thor movie involved something like 120 businesses and 2000 individuals. It involved every kind of craft you could think of people making costumes, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people doing incredible CGI. I mean, making, you know, Thor look like a hero. Um, it, 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 it served meals to hundreds of people every day. It did all those things. And it, and it came up, and it did its work, and it's done. And I think what we're going to find is more and more pop-up corporations, if I may put it up oh, in those terms, that are created by freelancers, primarily by freelancers. About a, a decade ago, Accenture predicted that there would be, with by 2030, a, a Fortune 500 company, for which only the C-level, executive level, was a full-time employee. Everybody else mm. was was a contractor, advisor, or, or or freelancer, or gigster, or driver, or cook, mm-hmm. or something. I, I I think that they're going to be ahead of schedule. I. I I believe that the combination of technology a, and and humankind have have combined in a really wonderful way that that this isn't a prediction it's a reality my my economic opportunity is no longer tethered to my location mm-hmm. I may have to work like a son of a bitch to buy a a computer if I'm a poor black individual in South African Johannesburg right now, but I can do it. And once mm-hmm. I dial on, I can hook into networks and I can understand the skills that will make me employable, not only in my home country, but anywhere in the world through the magic of technology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Think about, think about the impact of, of loosening, that constraint, that restraint, sorry. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. My, my great, my grandfather at the age of 13 left somewhere, somewhere in Romania or Poland or around the border of one of those. He was an orphan. He left with his older brother. They booked steerage on a boat, the lowest class you possibly could, lived with a relative, a third cousin in, an area around here, <laughs> but it looked a lot different. And and he became, excuse me, a window washer. And and, and his son became, a, a, a an accountant. And and his son became me. And they had to travel the world to do that. There's an awful lot of people that don't need to travel the world anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's the good stuff. Right. Mm. The creation of mm-hmm. opportunity that's yeah. that's that's not an accident of where you happen to be born.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I think that is a, a good thing. Now yeah. I think there's a lot of shit. <laughs> <too>. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I I believe that that providing more people around the world with the opportunity to do what they can do. Mm-hmm. Is something extraordinary, and that's why I'm the ethnographer of
1: this mm-hmm. stuff. That's beautiful. That's a incredible vision, and I am so curious to see how all of this unfolds. Me too. I am, I am with you, <laughs> championing this. Um, yeah, because I, I really think that it 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 makes society better. It it gives I kind of keeps us more human. You I know, think so too in um, even this this movement, this trend of kind of side gigs you know that people are taking on uh we have to self express yes and um I guess this is the the pinnacle of the hierarchy of needs right we're we 're up there now thankfully well, we made it it. It, we, <laughs> it,
0: it 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 beats a roof yeah that's right that's
1: right but self expression is um it can be a burden you know when you when you can 't self express uh then you i, I think one especially artists uh, end up suffering mentally uh and it's and it's a real agonizing plight when you either don't know how or or you don't have the foundation or framework or you know and you feel stuck and working somewhere where yeah, sure. you're like this isn't me it's not utilizing at all what I am capable of doing as people go through this stuff
0: if if you have the give it to Two bits. One is I have a wonderful quote about the artist piece. It's a writer, not a, not, not an artist, but um, Ernest Henry said, it's easy to be a writer. You just sit in front of your typewriter and bleed. For any sort of creative, that's the case. You know, whether the creativity is photography or videography mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. Or, or painting or drawing or CGI or whatever it is, I mean, Creatives are just so hard on themselves. I, mean, I, I, I think that's absolutely, absolutely true. It turns out that as people decide whether or not they're going to be independent, they go through a kind of four stages. They actually do this. Hmm. Our data is pretty clear around this. So the first stage is miserable. <laughs> the first year you freelance, you hate it. I mean, the data is very clear, it's much more negative than, than in subsequent years. Well, with some some correction i'll explain in a second but you know you're trying to figure this stuff out you know Mm -hmm. you're taking the online classes they are not helping too much maybe you got a friend that puts you in a couple of jobs but it's tough you can't get Mm -hmm. the jobs you don't know how to get the jobs you don't have the network you go to your former employer and they say but you left i mean it's all of those things Mm -hmm. a lot of people Decide it ain't worth it. And they go back to employment of some sort or another. I can't tell you how many. I don't know the number. But what I know is that if you look at the data, people in the second and third years of freelancing are much more happy, much happier than the people in the first. They figured it out. Mm -hmm. They figured it out because they've they've stayed there long enough to figure Mm -hmm. it out as opposed to saying, I've had it. But they seem very pleased. So you go through that first stage, which is, can I do this to yes, I can. Stage two is yes, I can do it. There's a third stage, which is yeah, I can do it, but do I want to? (laughs) And it turns out that satisfaction drops again. So year one, low satisfaction. Years two and three, for those who remain in freelancing, high satisfaction. I mean, big point jumps. Face stage three, three and four and five years four and five years. So one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, and five, you drop again. Because the question that you're asking isn't whether you can do it. The question you're asking is, is this wall there is? <laughs> right? Is this my life from, from now on?
1: And, and when there's a little disillusionment. Well, and in. some
0: people leave again. And some mm-hmm. people say this wasn't what I thought, or it wasn't as much as I thought, or I'm sacrificing more than mm-hmm. I wish I could, or it's killing my marriage mm-hmm. or it's killing mm-hmm. the relationship I was hoping to be married to. I mean, you know, any of those things.
1: You know what else I think happens in the stage? What? I think freelancers exhaust their personal network. Yes. And so now finding clients becomes a real yes. burden.
0: That's a great point. That is a wonderful point. Mm-hmm. For people that stick with, satisfaction goes up again. Because the fourth stage is not only yes, I can, but I want mm-hmm.
1: to. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you've got low High, low, high, following the mentality of, I can't do it. Yes, I can do it, but do I want to do it? Yes, I do want to do it. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how many people drop off. So mm-hmm. this is survey mm-hmm. data, and, and I mm-hmm. I don't have the data.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't I don't don't have the the numbers yeah. around what actually happens. My bet, you know. I think a lot of people drop out, go back to work, and then do a side gig. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who yeah. drop out, come back.
1: Wow. Do you think the, the the levels of happiness that you described in those stages are associated with or how closely is it tied to their ability of finding new clients?
0: Yes. I, I, find, okay. I think it's two things. You know what it is, I think? And I'm making this up. Okay, so let me – so, so the, the obligatory disacknowledgement is – I'm a I'm a former and occasional college professor. We teach 120% of what we know. <laughs> so, I'm extrapolating in well, all sorts but of but ways. But you have an intuition
1: now. I do that, have an intuition, worth but something. it ain't the same
0: as the facts, as okay, long as we're clear. Enough, yeah. I, I, I think that that it's a combination of the network and the uniqueness of what I do. I think the biggest challenge facing... Lots and lots and lots of independent professionals is is having a little bit of a unique brand. Mm-hmm. I think that is a very important thing, and I think that the the mm-hmm. people that don't have a unique brand mm-hmm. have a have a tougher time maintaining their network, find it easier to exhaust their network because they're not really bringing in new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, I I I would say. I I think that is the case. I mm. think you are right. I think they exhaust their network and they have not tended their garden mm-hmm. sufficiently mm-hmm. to to bring new
1: yeah and to their and customers. even knowing how to position yourself in a market is back to the education yeah, to the education that's yes right. and and that's why you know I gravitate towards educators that talk about that and I think really it's it's, it's also quite possible that the people who make it to that last stage are those who finally understand this is how I fit in my market. Oh,
0: I believe absolutely you're right. I totally believe it. I don't mm-hmm. know that they got all the way there, but they got enough mm-hmm. to keep going. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's, there's a wonderful organization called, and, and for others who are listening in, if, if you are technical or, or you're sort of a marketing services, there's some creative in there. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're an independent management consultant, One of the organizations that I like a lot is called Freelance Business EU. It's run by a wonderful lady named Elena. Um, And Elena puts together what she calls Freelance Business Education Month. The entire month is devoted to peer to peer education. So she's Mm -hmm. organized literally hundreds of these Hmm. short programs that people can dial in and participate in. I think it's primarily led by, I think it's supported primarily by sponsorship. So people, I don't think people spend a lot of money on it individually, but I think that you can buy seats for your company or you can Mm -hmm. uh, sponsor one Mm -hmm. or another of these programs. That may be a model Mm -hmm. for what you're, what what, what we've been Mm -hmm. talking about here Mm -hmm. a little bit. The idea of, can you bring together a bunch of creatives who will kind of, kind of figure it out for the, for the rest of us. And, and in the, in the award, in the immortal words of Julie Garden, Julie, not wait, in the immortal words of Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, let's make a show. (laughs) Isn't that how they solve all their problems? They turned it into a show Mm -hmm. in their wonderful movies in the 30s. We should Mm -hmm. do that. We should. And I I believe that maybe some of the folks listening to this podcast, knowing that yours is one of the most important podcasts in this area, area, maybe somebody will have an idea around that stuff and bring it to the next podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's how we solve things. We have conversation, then we team up, and and good ideas emerge, and then we make it happen. John, thank you so much for taking your time. It is always such A, a pleasure. Treat.
0: An honor to be with you. Wonderful yes. to see you.